just have been called to live by what? Faith? What is that? We're going to answer that question right here on today's episode of The Faith Life. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Faith Life Podcast. I'm your host, Damaris Johnson, and I want to um, thank you for tuning in today. And before we get started with the lesson today, we want to deal with whether or not you have the wherewithal to walk by faith and live by faith and declare unto you that the believers are called to the just are called to live by faith. So before we get into that, though, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to ask you to share. I want to ask you to comment. I want to ask you to like um, these podcasts, which is an extension of our YouTube channel, The Faith Life, where we give you just a brief snippet of what it is that we want to share more um, deeply and comprehensively uh, in, the, in the podcast. Today, we, um, I, I want to thank you for that, and I want to extend the, uh, the um, invitation to you to subscribe to this channel to, to to this podcast and to become a part of the faith life family uh, because as believers we are definitely called to live a certain lifestyle the question is the just shall live by faith what does it mean to live by faith what does that mean what in the world does it mean to live by faith you know we a lot of us have this very nebulous um uncertainty about what faith is they think it's something that's mystical. They think it's something that's, you know, uh, a spooky in a sense, something that's ghostly, something that we can't really live. We just kind of fall or stumble into living this life of faith. And I want to declare to you it is quite the contrary. It is quite the contrary. It is definitely a lifestyle that we can attain. It's a lifestyle that we've been called to live. It's a lifestyle that we are, we are very e- equipped and, uh, and e- empowered to live. But we just got to understand how to live it. We got to have a certain level of understanding, a certain degree of knowledge in what it takes to walk by faith, to live by faith, to speak by faith. The faith life is a glorious life. It's a lifestyle that, that, that will enable us to fulfill the promises that God has placed within our life. Too often, though, we don't understand that. Too often, we have this different perspective of what the Word of God gives to us about what the faith life is all about. We don't see the life that Jesus Christ lived as a life that we are to attain to. We don't see that the life that Jesus Christ lived is a life for us to walk out and to demonstrate in the earth. We don't recall Jesus being the first begotten. Um, he's no longer the only begotten son. He was. He's now the first begotten. And as the first son lived by faith, so does the rest of the sons are called to live by faith. We've been called to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. We've been called to walk by the faith of God and to move by the faith of God. We've been called to have the God kind of faith. And we're going to deal with all those things. We're going to touch on all those things. But first and foremost, I must have you understand that the faith life is something that you've been called to live. It's, it's a glorious life. You know, I was talking to a, a dear brother of mine um, in the past, and his his perspective and his anticipation of what goes into that faith life was something sort of, of, of like a monk, so to speak, where you go off and, and you afflict yourself and you, you have to endure all of this pain and suffering and you have to put yourself through a rigorous lifestyle. You have to embrace this, this monk lifestyle where you're all alone, where you're all by yourself, where you, where you inflict pain upon yourself, where you, where, you, where you don't have any enjoyment or any joy, where you always are under pressure, where you're always under grief, where you're always under sadness, where you're always in sackcloth and ashes. His impression of the faith life was a life of, of one of, a, of a, a religious person who doesn't have any true essence of what life is really about. 
Well, that is so far from the truth. It is so far from the truth that I don't even want to begin to think about that. It angers me to think that you would think of that the devil has propagated a perspective of the faith life that has caused people to run away from the faith life and run toward and not to run toward God and run toward a lifestyle opposite of what God has wanted them to live. The faith life is a beautiful life. It's a glorious life. It's a wonderful life. It's a life of fun and passion. It's a life of overcoming and conquering. It's a life where you demonstrate the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the glory of God, the prosperity of God. Everything that God has for us is contained in his faith life. All the goodness of God is, is embodied in the faith life. All of the promises of God is embodied in his faith life. All that God has for you, you've been called to attain by faith. You've been called to acquiesce by faith. You've been called to possess by faith. It's by faith that we're able to do the things God has called us to do. But we don't know what it is to live by faith. Oh, the glory, the glory, the glory that's upon the faith life. The glory that's upon the faith life. The glory that's upon the faith life. All you have to do is get inside of your faith life. And all the glory and all the prosperity and all the goodness that God has for you is contained in that faith life. We just got to know how to enter into it. We just have to know how to enter into that faith life that God has for us. Today we want to begin to share with you and to give you some insight into what the faith life is all about. We want to begin to share with you and give you some perspective of what the faith life is all about. We want to define the faith life for you. We want to describe the faith life for you. And we want to show you how to activate that faith life. And then we also want to look in the four areas, the four areas of the, from the Word of God where the faith life is where it's declared that the just shall live by faith. It's important that you understand that. It's important that you understand that the just shall live by faith. First and foremost, you got to understand that you are the just. When it's talking about the just, it's talking about you. It's talking about you, the one who's been acquitted, oh, the one that's been set free, the one that's been let go, the one that's not hindered or held back by the things that's happened in the past. You've been declared the just. You've been declared the righteous. You've been declared those who are in right standing with God. Positionally, you are right with God now. Positionally, you are right with God. You are no longer an enemy of God. You are no longer a child of the devil. You are no longer outside of the commonwealth of Israel. You are no longer outside of the covenants of God. You are no longer detached from the promise of God. You are no longer under the influence and dominance of your flesh. But you are now a part of the family of God, of the household of faith, of the believers, of the conquerors, of the overcomers, of those who call with glory and greatness upon their life. You are part of that process. You are part of that family now. And you have to know it. You have to believe it. You have to say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say who they are. Say what they can do. Say what they're able to accomplish. Say where they want to go. Say what they want to do in life. Say what they're dreaming. Say what they're believing. You got to say it. You got to say it. And you got to say it because you're the redeemed, because you're the just, because you're the righteous. That is who you are. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteousness of God by faith. The righteousness of God according to the grace of God. The righteousness of God who've been called to do great and mighty things. The righteousness of God that upon this rock, Jesus Christ builds the church and it enforces the kingdom of God and its culture wherever it goes. You are the righteousness of God. And you, have a, you have to embrace that. You have to embrace that because the just shall live by faith. Now that you know who you are, then God begins to demonstrate how your life is to be lived. He begins to share with you how your life is to be lived. That's by believing. That's by believing. That's by believing and believing and believing and believing. You have to continue to believe as the just. You are to live your life and to have your life propelled by what you believe. 
What you believe will determine what you live. You must believe that you are the just. You must believe that you are right before God. You must believe that you are holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in the sight, no matter what you've done yesterday or what you've done today. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God that God has called to do great and mighty things. You are the righteousness of God that God has imputed, that God has imputed. God has declared you to be the righteousness of God. The same way Jesus was declared to be the Son of God, the righteousness of God, is the same way you were declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit of the living God. Yes, you were. Now it's up to us to live up to it. But if we don't have a true idea or have a, 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 a base of knowledge of what it means to walk by faith, then we're going to always have this nebulous, this uncertainty, this, this we'll be unable to grasp the essence of what walking by faith means, what it means to live by faith and not by sight, what it means to, to live not according to the uh, understanding of our own, but the, according to the understanding of the wisdom of God and the faith of God. We have to have, we have to have that understanding of what it means to walk by faith and to live by faith and what faith is. Most people's definition of faith is the description of faith. We, don't, we haven't re really defined or gave definition to what the faith life is truly all about. And I want to start by giving us definition. I want to start by giving us definition to what the faith life is all about. And that definition, that definition we find uh, begins in the psalm. We'll go to psalm, the, the, the 56th psalm. I want to look at the, the 56th psalm. And when we look at this psalm, it'll give us, it'll show, it'll show us what it is that faith, faith is really talking about. Uh, 51st psalm, I'm sorry. The 51st psalm, the 51st psalm, the 6th verse. The 51st psalm, the 6th verse. Uh, well, let me, let me start here. Let me give you, let me give you my definition or the definition that we believe the Lord has given us as it pertains to what faith is. What faith is. Faith is is by definition now we're defining it we're giving some definition to it and and um the idea of defining something is to give it structure is to give it if is to give it quality is to give it essence is to give it a framework by which we can understand what a particular thing is and that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about defining faith what faith is the definition of faith and the description of faith is two different things the def definition of faith is god's word in your spirit we define faith as god's word in your spirit it is the sperma of god it is the word of god in the spirit of man coming together to be fused to be fused together and to become one force to become one entity one person one being it's when the word of god and the spirit of god and the spirit of man uh, come into contact with each other and now we have we have what we define as faith Faith is God's word in the spirit. And we, and we see that right here in the 51st Psalm where David, when he was going through his, his outcry of his wrongdoing before God, it says, behold, thou desires truth. Truth is what? God's word in our spirit. He says, thou, I mean, truth, I'm sorry, truth is God's word. The Bible says, thy word is truth. Truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I also want to speak a little bit about that word truth. Two things I want you to uh, take note of when it comes to truth. Truth is God's word. It, uh, it also, truth is God's word. It also can be described as God's reality. Truth is God's word. Truth is God's reality. The reality of God is truth. God's word is truth. God's reality is always found in his word. 
the reality by which is where God lives. Where God lives is he lives where truth is. Where truth abides, there God abides. Where truth is abound, there God abounds. Where truth is alive, there God is alive. So where truth is, God is. God's reality is truth. Truth is God's reality. That's the bottom line to it. God has the reality in truth. Your reality has to be where God's reality is. As long as you're outside of truth, you're outside of the will of God. As long as you're outside of, outside of truth, you're outside of fellowship with God. God can only walk in fellowship with truth. He can't do anything outside of what is truth, what is his reality. He doesn't delve or, or deal with things that are outside of his reality. If you're not within the reality of God, then you're not in contact or in communion or fellowship with God. You have to walk in the light. Light is truth. You got to walk in truth. Truth is where God, rea- God resides. The reality of where God lives is truth. Truth and the word of God are one and the same. Things that are equal to the same thing are equal to themselves or equal to each other. Truth is where truth is where God abides. And God desires for truth to abide where? Desires truth to go where? Thou desires truth in my inward parts and in the hidden parts. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God desires truth to be in our inward parts. To understand what, this, what the psalmist is bringing out, we've got to understand the triunity of man. The man is broken up in three dimensions. There is the inner court, the outer court, and the holy place. There's the spirit, the soul, the body. It speaks of the inner room, the outer room, and the, outer, and the, and the outermost room. This is how we are created. This is how we are set up. The same way the tabernacle was set up. You have the inner court, your outer court. You have the inner court. I'm sorry, you have the most holy place. You have the inner court. You have the outer court. If we look at man and we put man and we, and we place man on top of that map, you'll see the inner court coincides with the spirit of man. I'm sorry, the most holy place coincides with the spirit of man. The inner court coincides with the soul of man. And the outer court coincides with the physical body of man. So when God talks about thou desires truth in my inward part, it's talking about that innermost man, that spirit man. God desires truth where? In my spirit, in my inner man, in my, innermo- in my innermost man. Thou sh- in my hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. I believe the, inner, the inward part is talking about the, the spirit. The hidden part is talking about the soul. God desires truth in our, in, in our, in our inward parts. In our hidden parts, thou shalt make us to know wisdom. David also said this in Psalm 119. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's the word of God. It's the word of God in that inner man. It's the word of God in that hidden man. It's the word of God in the spirit. Paul prayed over in Thessalonica. He said, that, he said, he said Thy whole spirit, soul, and body. He prayed for thy whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. It's the spirit of man where truth desires to abide. It is when the sperma of God, the word of God, the life of God, the thing that contains the very vibrancy of God, contacts and, and comes into contact with my spirit man the womb of my spirit man it produces the life of god they love god desires and that's the life of faith when the word of god contacts the spirit of god and it comes into that place where it is permanently etched in that so it's it says by this it says it says receive with meekness the engrafted word when that word is engrafted into my spirit Boom, now I have faith. Boom, now I have an explosion. The same way when the sperm of a man contacts the womb of the egg of a woman, you have a life, you have an explosion of life that takes place. All types of life begins to explode and come together and, and formulate and, and become part of the, the outcome of what it is when the sperm of a man contacts the egg of a woman. You have life. The same way when the word of God, when the word of God comes in contact with the spirit of God, with the spirit of man, I should say, then you have life. Then you have faith. Now we're talking about faith. When the word of God comes into contact with the spirit of man, something happens. Something takes place. You have the divine operation of faith. Now you have faith. That is how we define faith. 
God's word in the spirit of man. God's word contacting the spirit of man. God's word touching the spirit of man. God's word coming into close proximity to the spirit of man. God's word. When God's word, when God's word comes into contact with the spirit of man, faith will be birthed. Faith will come alive. Faith will be present. David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, Thy word hath I hid in my heart. That word heart there, it speaks of the center, the central most portion of man's being is his spirit. David said, Thy word have I got down in my spirit. I get that word down in my spirit, down in my innermost man. And that word, when it gets in my spirit, it's a power that's released. There's a power that comes over me. There's a power that comes from me. That's why he said, I won't live in sin when the word of God touches my spirit. I won't be in bondage of sin when the word of God touches my spirit. I will be the overcomer of sin when the word of God touches my spirit. We got to get the word down in our spirit. We got to get the word deep down in our spirit, man. The question now is, how do we get the word in the spirit? How do you get that word to come from those pages? How do you get that word to come from your mind and get deep down into your spirit, man? How does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. We got to hear the word. We got to hear the word. And you 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 got to keep hearing the word over and over and over and over. You got to keep saying the word over and over and over and over. So let me give you the process. You got to first read the word. Then you got to pray the word. Then you got to say the word. Then you got to declare the word. Then you got to confess the word. Because the more you say it, the more you hear it. It has been scientifically proved that you established a word deep into your spirit and you, and you ingrain it in your mind. There's dendrites being formed in your mind. There's little trees being formed in your mind. As you speak a word, as you say a word, as you speak something, as you say something, that thing is getting established in the spirit mind, in the mind of the spirit. It's getting established in your brain. And as you say those things, as you speak those things, you begin to know those things. They begin to get deeper and deeper and deeper inside of you. They got to pierce through the soul. And then to impregnate the spirit, you got to pierce through the soul. You got to pierce through the womb of the soul to impregnate the spirit. As you say it, as you meditate in it, as you speak it, you are now beginning. You are now beginning the process of getting that word down into your spirit. You're now beginning the process of getting that word to abide in your spirit, man. Once that word begins to abide in the spirit, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You're going to have an explosion like you've never had before. David said that word, that word that I hid in my heart, that word that I hid in my heart. So you got to hide the word. You got you to plant the word. And when the word hide is talking about to, to plant. It's talking about to, to, to hoard, to reserve, to place that word deep down in the spirit. How do you do it? How do you do it? You got to speak it. You got to say it. You got to speak that word. You got to speak that word. Everything in the spirit realm is voice activated. It's voice motivated. And you got to speak that word. You got to continue to say that word. The more you say that word, the more you hear that word, the quicker that word gets down in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. The discharge, that word faith, the, the, the thought, the idea of that, the word cometh is, is the, the discharge of God. God discharges life. Through his word, when God discharges his sperma of the word of God into the spirit of man, the same way man discharges his life's living substance into the womb of a woman, when it's discharged into the, the spirit, boom, you have faith. Boom, you have life. Boom, you have, you have the coming together of two entities that creates what we call 
And what we define as faith. Faith is God's word in your spirit. We got to get the word in our spirit. We got to get the word beyond our mind. We got to get the word behind our head, beyond our head. We got to get the word down in our spirit. We got to get the word beyond our soul. And we got to get that word down in our spirit, man. Once we get that word down in our spirit, man, now we have life. And we have life more abundantly. Now we have life. Now we have faith the way God intended for us to have faith. Now we have faith coming up out of our being. Now we have faith coming up out of our spirit. Now we have faith coming up out of our very essence. This is what it is. This is faith. This is, what, this is how we define faith. This is how the word of God defines faith. This is what we want faith to look like. This is what we want faith to be like. We want faith to be that very force, that very entity that you're able to give def- definition to, that you're able to describe. From there now, from there now, we can get into what most people's definition of faith is, which is really a description of faith. It's not a definition of faith. It's really a description of what faith is. And we find that, we find that, we find that over in Hebrews, over in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let's look at Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, which is a very familiar passage of Scripture, probably one of the most famous um, passages of Scripture when it, as it pertains to faith that we, that we know of. It says, it says, it says that uh, now, it says now, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. When you ask most believers how to define faith, they're going to give you Hebrews 11.1. They're going to quote it. We can all quote it. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. They're going to say, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm here to introduce to you and want to share with you that that is not a definition of faith. It is not a definition of faith. It is a description of what happens when the definition of faith is manifested. It's a description of what takes place when the Word of God is abiding in the Spirit. It is a definition. It's a description. It describes what the, what the characteristics are of when the Word of God contacts the womb of the, of, of the Spirit of man and it begins to abide in it. This is what this, is what this brings out. This brings out what, a, what, the, what the definition or what, the descript- or what the definition is, and then what it becomes, and it describes to you that now, now, what is it? Now, now faith. Now, now when, the, now when the Word of God, now when the Word of God, it contacts the spirit of man. We can say it like that. Now, when the Word of God contacts the spirit of man, it becomes the essence. Oh, my God. When the Word of God, contacts the spirit of man we can read it just like that now god's word in my spirit is substance glory be to god when now god's word in my spirit is substance we're saying something now we're saying something now god's word in my spirit is substance say that with me say god's word in my spirit is substance god's word in your spirit is something it's it's substance God's word in your spirit is substance. God's word in your spirit is a foundation or a substructure or the foundation of what life is to be built upon. God's word in your spirit is substance. That word substance, it means a substructure. What they're saying is it's the foundation. It's the bedrock. It's the ground floor for building your life that God has called you to build. 
God's word in your spirit is the foundation, it's the substance, it's the essence, it's the building block, it's the bedrock for which your life should be built upon. God's word in your spirit. Now, God's word in my spirit is substance. It's the essence. It's the, get this, it's the person. It's the characteristics of the person of Jesus Christ himself. Well, why do you say that, Brother D? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because in, in Hebrews, the first chapter, the same word for the express, when, when the Bible describes Jesus as the express image of the person of God, it's the same word here for substance. It's that same word for person. So the substance and the person, we can say it like this. Now, God's word in my spirit is the personality is the expression of the person of Jesus Christ himself. Now, I know, I, know, I know I'm taking you deep now. I know I'm taking you deep. But I want you to get the picture of what substance is or what it becomes once it touches my spirit. It becomes the expression of the person, the, the expression of the faith of the person of Jesus Christ. It becomes the expression of the personality. It becomes the expression of the actions of the person of Jesus Christ himself, the son of the living God. So when God's word touches my spirit and it becomes substance, Galatians 2.20 comes to, comes to life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but the, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God becomes alive in my spirit when the Word of God becomes substance, the very essence, the substance, the substructure, the foundation of things hopeful. That's what it says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things hoped for. Your faith is the substance, is the substructure of the things you're hoping to attain by faith. Your faith is the substructure, is the foundation. God's word in your spirit is the foundation, is the bedrock for the thing that you're hoping for. See, prior to coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord, you had no hope, no real hope. You had no true hope. You had no hope that was based upon truth and the reality that God has for your life. Everything else was a soulless hope. But this kind of hope that we're talking about is a biblical hope, a hope that's based upon the Word of God. In other words, if I had a situation where I need healing in my body and I read in the, in the Scripture that by His stripes I was healed, my hope now of being healed, of overcoming this sickness and disease, is not based upon what a doctor said. It's not based upon the, 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 the stats on whether or not uh, you can overcome this particular type of sickness or disease. It's based upon the Word of God, or what the Word of God said. So that's a biblical base for me to have hope that one day I'm going to overcome this particular, this particular sickness and disease. That's biblical hope. It's a blueprint. It's a vision that God gives you based upon truth. Based upon what? What's truth? His reality. When my hope is based upon God's reality for my life, it's a guarantee that it's going to happen. You have an ironclad guarantee. Faith, God's word in your spirit, is substance for the things we hope for. It is the evidence my God, it's the evidence 
of things not seen. It is the evidence of things that I cannot see yet. It's the evidence that those things that I cannot see are real. It's the evidence of things that I cannot see is alive. It's the evidence of things that I cannot see yet and nobody else can see it that it will become a reality in my life. It is the evidence. It is the assurance. It is that thing that tells me this is going to happen in your life. This, I have this for you to happen in your life. This is the will of God for your life. It is the evidence. When we think evidence, think that which makes something convincing, that which makes something real. It is the evidence. This is the description of faith that we all need to have. It is the evidence that what I'm hoping for, though I cannot see it yet, is alive in a whole nother dimension. It's real in a whole nother dimension. It's for me in a whole nother dimension. It's God's plan for me in a whole nother dimension. It's God's desire for me in a whole nother dimension. He's given me his word to assure me that, is it, that it is real in the realm of the spirit, that it is real in the mind of God, that it is real in the womb of God. It is real. And God wants it. God desires it. God needs it to happen so that he can be the father, the God that he promised to us that he would be. But we got to believe it. We got to believe it. And now we got to know how to activate. We got to know how to activate what it is that God has promised us through his word being in our spirit now that it has become the substance and the evidence of what it is that I know is real for me, that I know he has for me, that I know is the will of God for me, that I know is what God desires to see me do. I know it because I had a word on it. I know it because of the word in my spirit about it. We have to activate it, though. And the way we activate it, Jesus gave us, Jesus gave us keen insight in how to activate and live out the faith, the word of God that's in my spirit. Let's read it in, in, in Mark 20, in Mark 11, chapter 22, verse. It says, Jesus answered said unto them, Have God's word in your spirit as God. Have God's word in your spirit, and you can say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt that word that's in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. What I want to give you in this lesson is how to activate God's word and how to release God's word from your spirit, from your spirit into the natural. The Bible says the worlds were framed by the word of God. The same way God framed his world is how you're going to frame your world. By the faith-filled words you release from your spirit. By the faith-filled words you release from your innermost man. When you have the word of God in your spirit, that word, is, that word produces life. Those two components come produces life. When you now release words, they are filled with life. Words are structures, words are essence, words are, are building blocks, words are contained with energy and divine life to create. Words are the creative force that God has given us to produce life in this earth. 
when you release faith-filled words, you're operating as God operated when he created mankind, when he created the world. You're operating as Jesus operated when he spoke things, when he speak things, when he spoke things into existence. You are operating at a level of faith that God has called you to operate in. We activate, we initiate the faith-filled life that God has called us by speaking faith-filled words. We initiate the faith-filled life that God has called us to live by speaking faith-filled words. We initiate the faith-filled life that God has called us to live by speaking faith-filled words. When you speak faith-filled words, you will produce the faith life God has called you to fulfill. Jesus gave us insight by saying, if you have, if you have the word of God in your spirit, as God has the spirit in himself, then you can say unto this particular situation, change and it'll change. Be different and it'll be different. Do what it is that you wanted to do and it'll be done. We activate it by speaking, by saying, by using our faith-filled words in order to release the faith-filled life down on the inside of us. I have so much more I can say about this, but my time is up. I just want to share with you these three aspects of what faith is. Definition, description, and activation. In our next podcast, we're going to go into the four places where it is defined, where it's declared to us of why the just and how the just are to live by faith. The context in each situation is different and it applies to different segments of our life and it's going to be a powerful message that you don't want to miss. I encourage you, I encourage you to uh, share this podcast, listen to these podcasts, subscribe to these podcast channels, click the bell, touch the bell that's uh, next to that subscription channel so that you can be uh, made aware of when I release new content because this content is going to bless your life. My dear brothers and sisters, this is going to bless your life. I'm your dear brother, Damaris Johnson. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for subscribing and connecting with us so that we can continue to give you and feed you this faith-filled word that's going to help you to produce this faith-filled life that God has called you to live. Thank you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time right here from The Faith Life. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.